production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Story Connect, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. How can you rethink your annual meeting or annual events to get more participation? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect Podcast. My name is Andy Johns, your host with Pioneer, and I'm joined on this episode by Garrett Hilton, who is the Communications and Marketing Analyst for Wells Rural Electric Cooperative out in Nevada. So Garrett, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. Thanks for having me. So uh, Garrett and I were talking at the uh, the NIC conference, NWPPA NIC, um, out there about um, the annual meeting, uh, the way they've kind of rethought their annual meeting as um, as member events. Uh, Garrett led a presentation out there at the conference, and I thought it was a, a good uh, opportunity to get you uh, on this one because you guys have really kind of uh, taken you know, what what you have to do as an annual meeting and kind of rethought it, shifted around and uh, and made it into something that you guys are proud of. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we've been doing uh, the current format now. I think this year was the eighth year. Um, we've been doing it for nine years, missed one year for COVID, but uh, we've really turned it something that we, we love from the cooperative standpoint. We look forward to it every year. We enjoy it. We love it. Uh, we think it's been really effective with our members. Um, and the numbers uh, kind of reflect that as well. And um, it, it's really turning into something that's a win on every side. And I think anytime you can do something like that, um, you're always going to be uh, happy and, and, and proud and, and uh, excited to share that with other people, hopefully help somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to kind of describe it for folks, you guys have taken more of a, uh, instead of one big meeting, uh, and part of it probably, and I'm sure you'll get into the geography a little bit, you guys are pretty spread out, but uh, you guys have shifted from one big meeting um, into uh, a, a series of, of smaller events. Yeah, uh, and, and with a with a kind of an in between stop uh, bet- between those two formats. I guess just to give background, um, historically, uh, this is the community that I grew up in, and the co-op used to do a massive annual meeting event um, in the gym at my local high school. Um, guest speakers, a lot of giveaways, prizes. Uh, they did like a, a big dinner. Um, I can't remember that it was tri-tip or, or steak, but I think it was like some combination of beef and, and, and something else. And it was a really massive, massive event. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it worked well. Uh, we'd get several hundred people every year, um, but it was missing um, some key components. As you mentioned, we're pretty spread out. Um, our service territory is, is 10,000 square miles. Um, wow. and so, yeah. And so we have like four communities within that uh wells is is the town that we're based out of um, but it's actually the smallest of all of those communities um there's we have a community uh on on the border between utah and nevada that has several casinos that's the largest by far um it has a much higher spanish-speaking population um and there's kind of two towns on either side there uh then we have another community that that's you know about an hour and a half west of us uh, that's a mining community, um, and we picked them up, I believe, in, in kind of the 70s or so. And then Wells is sort of a traditional agricultural town where the co-op has kind of grown out of and spread throughout all the rural areas and things in between. And so that original meeting format was great um, for Wells because that's that's who was mostly attending. Um, there weren't a lot of people coming in from Carlin or West Wendover, Wendover, or, or all of the, the rural areas to attend that. And it was very expensive, um, was definitely a spectacle, 
um, but wasn't necessarily hitting all of our members the way that our board of directors wanted to. Uh, so at some point, and I'm actually not sure when this took place, um, in between when I was in high school and when I, when I came back, uh, they actually switched to a different format. They cut out a lot of the guest speakers and the giveaways and things like that. And they did a, a meeting with a meal in each one of the communities. Um, and I'm sure that most of the other co-op communicators, anybody that's been on a co-op for a long time, probably knows what's coming. And that as soon as you cut out all of the giveaways, the prizes, the speakers, and all of that stuff, attendance pretty much um, dropped to zero. And so right. there have been in several years of these where we were doing the smaller uh, versions at each, at each one of our, our communities, but nobody was really attending. Um, really just the diehards. You know, we were getting dozens of people from the hundreds. And so that sort of frames um, the conversation when I started to work at REC uh, about 10 years ago. And one of the first projects I worked on was what can we do to reinvent um, what we use is an annual meeting, but but just a community outreach event that's a really important part of what we do. And and so that process is what led us to our current format that, that has been pretty overwhelmingly successful um, from our standpoint. Very cool. And let's dive into that process because I know that's something a lot of folks uh, listening uh, would be interested to hear. So you come in, you're fairly new, um, yeah. and um, you want to, sounds like uh, there's a need to overhaul um, a pretty significant part of you know, the, the co-op and particularly the communication side of the co-op, what, um, how do you, how do you go about identifying that? And then where do you, uh, you know, how do you start those gears turning, which sometimes inertia, uh, you know, a lot to overcome. Um, but how do you identify that and then get stuff started, get, get change started? Yeah, I think from my um, personal perspective in, in, in the process that we use, and I think it works really well for us is that sometimes the, the best, the best time for creativity is when you are very clear on what outcome you're trying to achieve. And so we really started at the end um, and, and looked at what we weren't getting out of the current format and tried to identify what we really wanted to get out of whatever format we changed to. And I think that that had a huge, uh, made a huge difference in shaping that process. And what we basically decided was that kind of the traditional annual meeting format um, we felt was a little antithetical to what we normally do as co-ops. Um, we try to be supporters in our community. We try to help community groups and, and be pillars in our communities. But we don't necessarily spend a ton of time talking about ourselves. Um, and you know, when we talk about our annual meeting format, that's kind of all it was, was us talking about ourselves and what we wanted our members to hear. And the outcome that we wanted to achieve was rather than spending more time talking about us with just a few members, we wanted to have touch points with as many members as possible, even if they only lasted a few seconds. And then we wanted to, to, to benefit from being able to have some name association with an event that um, developed community pride or made it more about our community rather than just the co-op. And so we sort of set that as the expectation. Um, what could we do? And we set some goals like attendance is one thing we definitely wanted to change. We'd gone from hundreds to dozens. So we needed more participation from our members. Uh, we thought it was really important, as I alluded to earlier, each one of our communities is a little bit different. And, you know, REC is one of the major employers in community uh, resources in Wells. That's not necessarily the case in those other larger communities. And so we really wanted to place an emphasis on building relationships 
and strengthening our bonds with our members in those communities, but also uh, community organizations. Um, and so with those you know, three things kind of in mind, um, we, we came up with the current format. And the real driver behind that um, was basically that a lot of times the best way to really make a huge impression um, on, on a member, on, a, on an adult, is to help their children. Um, and so we decided, you know, fairly early on that we wanted to make an event that really focused on the youth in our communities um, and, and that helped develop pride and support for them. Uh, and then in return, we were hoping that, um, I guess, you know, we, we try to make it sound good, but there is that factor of if the kid has to be there, then it's more likely that the parents have to be there, too. So a good way to drive up attendance is to, to link that. Uh, to attendance with with the kids, and so what we settled on, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it it doesn't sound completely altruistic when you say it that way, but I mean that is <laughs> one of the things. Like, if we really want people to show up, let's get their kids there. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's kind of what we did. Uh, we decided that rather than making the event about us, that we would approach each of the four high schools in our communities, and we would ask them to help us plan an event. Uh, that fit their school's needs, that fit their community's needs, that would bring out people to kind of build that community support, and that we would sponsor that event and, and facilitate it. And so we call these uh, community rallies, um, sort of like a, a tailgate for each school. Um, they, they look different in each community, um, and each community kind of takes their own and puts their own spin on things. You know, um, in, in Wells, which is the, the rally that I'm most involved in, um, they use it mostly as a get back to school, welcome back to school kind of thing. It's usually earlier on in the fall. Um, our, we have a, one of the best FFA programs in the country. They do a tri-tip dinner for our members and prepare it and serve it. And then afterwards, we do a, a, a giant rally on the football field uh, where they announce all of the teams for the community from our like flag football and little kids all the way up to the high school varsity teams. Oh, a so, bunch of kids. A bunch yeah, of kids means a bunch of parents. Yeah, a bunch of kids, a bunch of parents. Um, usually, you know, you've got 200 kids there, so you're, you're going to, you know, double that or almost double that with parents and the, the other family members that, that show up. Um, Carlin is one of our other communities. They kind of do it with their homecoming. And um, they plan that as kind of they're using some new formats. Uh, there's a lot of shift work in that community, so they've tried to find a, a better way to connect with, with their People uh, in Wendover, Utah, they have a great FCCLA program, um, and they've struggled some um, with academics. So in order to remedy that, they do like a parent-teacher night once a month, and, and they don't play football. They play soccer instead. So instead of a homecoming thing, they do it in conjunction with their, their parent-teacher meetings, um, bring those parents into the school to show them what their students are doing, uh, what, what their studies look like, and then the, the FCCLA program um, prepares the food. Uh, and then in West Wendover, they do it with homecoming as well, and that's by far the biggest. Uh, their booster club does hamburgers and hot dogs, and they bring out over a thousand people, um, 1,500 people in general. So each uh, one of those rallies kind of uh, takes has taken on their own. Okay, so so about how many how many meetings um, are we talking about? You're, you're looking at four, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and and what are some of the touch points? You mentioned the touch points um, that you guys have, have kind of built in there, even if they're small. Um, so what kind of, when, when you're talking about building in touch points to those meetings, um, how are you guys interacting? 
Yeah, there's a couple different ways we handle that. Uh, we definitely have employees and, and board members at, at all of those. And part of the mingling is literally just kind of moving table to table, catching up in line, you know, talking to, to, to old friends, contacts, neighbors, things like that. Um, but we also set up a table in front of where they go to get their food. Um, we usually do some kind of giveaway um, themed with like the school colors. Like we've done beanies, socks, uh, t-shirts are, are, are super popular. Um, we've done like the, the terrible towels that you can wave at games and things like that. And we try to set up those touch points so that when they come to get one, one, they have to talk to us before they get food. And two, if they want to give away, they have to come talk to us as well, even if it's just for a few minutes. And, sure. and the topic there has varied. Um, when we very first started these was also as we were, we were starting our social media accounts. And so for the first couple of years, like in order to get a giveaway, if you had, you know, Facebook or Instagram, you had to follow us on, on one of those. Um, and I can say as also the person that deals with social media, it's been amazing how many of those have actually uh, stuck. We, we were kind of worried that you'd have people that would follow and then unfollow after the event, but um, the retention there has been really good. And, and um, we have almost, uh, our following on Facebook is almost 40% of our total members, um, numbers wise. And so that's been super successful. Uh, we had yeah, a pretty large, yeah, that, it's been great. Um, and it's really helped us in so many other ways on a communications front. Um, we've had a, a, a massive political issue um, that was going to deregulate our energy industry. Um, and the rallies were really, that year, it was a really important time to be able to talk to members about it, uh, give them some facts. And, and um, that was really effective in the way that that swung that vote from an overwhelming pass the, the time before to failing almost 90 to, I think it was, it was a little over 90% in, in our districts. Um, wow. Yeah. The next year. So the rallies were a big part of that. And, then it just varies. Sometimes it's it's early uh, signing up for energy assistance early or rebate programs or even just updating contact information to make sure that we have a good email address, good phone number, things like that. So those touch points have varied. Um, we've tried to tailor those to fit whatever's going on in the co-op at the moment or, or whatever we're trying to accomplish there. Um, and it does give us a few minutes. We get our, our talk out of the way. And then for the rest of it, it's it's about the community and about the schools and about the kids. So to be clear, because there may be folks who are listening and saying, you know, that is that is a different way to do things. And, and we we do our we've always done our annual meeting different. We have to vote at ours. But you guys have kind of split the voting component off of these meetings. So there's not the the, the I don't want to say burden, but you don't have those those requirements, those extra yeah. considerations um, with the voting because it's split off different from your annual meeting. Correct. And there's actually two factors, I think, that make a huge difference from us. The, the annual report is the other one. Um, the voting has been split off for a long time. Uh, we do vote by mail uh, over the summer, different time period from when we do our annual meeting. And it's been that way for much longer than we've done the community rallies. And so that was not ever an obstacle. Um, and then we have, our board has been very enthusiastic and supportive in making um, our requirements a little bit different so that we have the creativity. Uh, but even, even if we didn't have that challenge, um, I'm pretty confident that, that we would still keep this format. We would make our annual reports available at our table for people to pick up. Uh, we would give some sort of presentation um, probably as quickly as we could on the front end of the event and then move it, move it along. But those are the two challenges that we don't face um, that I know a lot of other cooperatives do. 
um, we had kind of a perfect storm. You know, I think we were, we talked about this in the past that, you know, we'd have the really expensive format that was, had good attendance, but not the coverage of our service territory like we wanted to. And then they'd gone to another format to try to do that. And it was an abject failure. Um, so we kind of had a lot of built-in support from the very beginning because we had an event that was, that was a huge budget before. And we were coming off an event that was ineffective and not getting members. And so I think that we, we had a lot of support from our senior management and senior staff and our board of directors to, to get creative, to try anything that would help us connect with our members better. So they've been tremendously supportive um, and they've, they've been, been real allies in making this happen and, and strong even in the participation part of it. So we were kind of, I kind of came in at the perfect time where there was a system that was a little broken and we kind of had a lot of, of, of leeway to fix it. And it's been super effective. And so we've continued to get a ton of support, but you know, that not, might not be the case everywhere. Um, and one thing that I always tell other communicators when they ask about our events, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same scale that, that we're, we're trying to get here. Um, it could be a much smaller, you know, sort of pilot project to, to do something, you know, even if it was just an alumni, dinner at homecoming or, or something small scale like that and let it grow organically from there. Um, I, I just really, really, really believe that if, if you can make yourself a valuable ally to your local schools, um, that for most co-ops, that's really going to have a lot of benefit with their member relationships. For sure. So another thing folks may be thinking, or at least I'm thinking when I'm listening is, so if, if you're doing four annual events instead of uh, one big annual meeting, is that four times the work? Uh, how much, uh, you know, how much are you able to carry over from one meeting to the other and, um, and, and, you know, still keep it manageable, even though you're doing uh, four, you know, fairly sizable, pretty big commitments from uh, a team that I know you don't, uh, you know, you don't have a real big team there to work on stuff like this. So what, how do you make it manageable? Oh man, it, 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 it's a little crazy sometimes. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we do four of them that we'd never had this before, but this year we had, we try to let the schools pick their own dates and find a date that works best from them. Uh, and we try to never say no, if at all possible. Uh, so this year we ended up having three of these in two days. Um, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, now the one thing that went well is that the one that was separate was uh, the West window rally, which is by far the largest. Okay. Um, but the other three were in a two-day period, and so we were spread pretty thin, um, and it, it was crazy, genuinely, because there is a lot of work and a lot of oversight that goes into these. But I will say one of the built-in advantages, um, we try to involve as many different school groups and teams as we possibly can to pull these things off. And so I'll just, you know, I'll give you a rundown of, of the Wells um, um, rally really quickly, because that's the one kind of um, that I'm most familiar with, but it's similar in every community. Um, the FFA does... The, the, the dinner. And the advisor there is wonderful. He's a former national teacher of the year. Um, wow. We don't have to worry about the food getting ordered and smoked in their meat lab and served because he handles that with our FFA kids. Um, our football team sets up and takes down all the tables and chairs and packs them up to be moved to the next event. Um, our leadership uh, and student council, they manage counting all the plates and handing the plates out. And then they're the ones who administer the uh, pep rally afterwards and run the pep rally afterwards. So they handle all of that. We have our academic Olympic team um, kind of helps bus tables. Our volleyball and cheerleading teams help do tables and then they help the football teams set up and, 
and, uh, and, and take down. My uh, girls' basketball program that I coach, we hang up all the flyers around town and help coordinate, you know, the marketing, um, you know, uh, on that level with everybody. Um, our band plays at, at, at the, the uh, pep rally. Our, our yearbook group um, does pictures and things that we can use for promotional. And so it's, it is work. Uh, it, it takes a lot to pull these off on our standpoint. But in each one of those communities, if you build champions um, within the school organization and within the different groups that participate, um, these things get so much easier. Um, and as much work as it is, I, I did have a thought this year at the Wells one that, man, these, these, these guys really don't need me um, because every time I check in with them to make sure that we're on track, everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's got, you know, kind of has their routine down. And, um, you know, in their marching orders and, and we're good to go. Um, you know, wow. other communities even, yeah, it, it works great that way. And, you know, you look at other communities, they have the local firemen come and give like rides around the track on the fire trucks or sure. you know, the, the local boys and girls club sets up bounce houses for the little kids to play in or whatever. There's right. all kinds of ways to involve different community groups that add to your event, but don't necessarily add a ton of workload um, if, if they can be the champions of their part of the rally. And so that's been a huge help, even yeah. in a hectic, crazy, stressful year um, like this one was. It was manageable because of the help we get from our communities. Fantastic. So um, what advice, last question I have for you, uh, what advice do you have for somebody who is, um, you know, advice you may have for somebody who's thinking about um, redoing their annual meeting or uh, redoing any kind of big event that they've got Um and they're thinking, you know, this this just isn't getting the results we want. There's got to be a better way. Um, what advice would you have for somebody who's who's trying to make a change? Yeah, and, and I guess the one thing, you know, I talked about our outcomes uh, and, and what we looked at earlier. Uh, and one of the things that has really helped our support throughout is is the fact that they worked. You know, we were getting several hundred people in the initial one, dozens in the second one. Um, three out of the four rallies we had this year actually set new attendance records. Um, so we went from dozens around our service territory. This year, there were 698 people in Wells. There were 425 people in Carlin. Um, there were 500 in, I can't remember the exact number, it was over 500 in Wendover, Utah. And then at the fourth one, there were almost 1,700 people. And so we went from dozens to, to 3,300 members were at these. And so that was beyond any of the expectations that we set, but yeah. it was those expectations that drove the planning of these events and, and helped us um, and helped us kind of build these things up. And, and so the advice that I would give is to be very detailed and outcome oriented in your planning. What is it that you want to get out of your member event or your annual meeting? What is the change that you're looking to make? What is the thing that's not working for you? And what would you like it to look like instead? Then I think you go and look at what are my resources? Um, we, we obviously, you know, it's not really an elephant in the room. We spend a lot of money on these. Um, it is a big part of our budget every year. We think it's a really important part of our budget to be able to, to engage in our communities and be out with uh, it, with our members. And, and I think the thing that's allowed that is, you know, it's really, it was really hard this year not to feel the community pride um, in each one of those rallies, especially coming kind of out of COVID in our state has been, been pretty adverse. We, we missed a lot of sports seasons that other places didn't miss. We had some restrictions a little bit longer than other places, but to feel that pride, it, it was worth that investment for us. But 
that might not be where another co-op is starting from. And so I think that having the outcomes you want in mind, even if they're really big, and then evaluating what your resources are, what, what does your team look like? How many employees are you going to have to participate in this? What are our relationships with our local schools or our local youth groups? Um, what is our budget for this event going to be? Can we do food? Can we not do food? What does that look like? What can I do to build those community champions that are going to help me um, do more with less resources and, and sort of have an outline of what those things look like and then plan a realistic event that fits within those boundaries? That would be the thing I, I would I would hesitate. I think if we would have started with with what these have become in mind, um, nine times out of ten, we'd have been disappointed because that's usually not the outcome you get from an event uh, like this. But I do think you can do something positive for your schools, for your communities, and for your own brand. Start realistically, start within your resource, and start with an outcome in mind and work towards that over years and let it develop organically. I think if you start with that structure on the front end, it's going to make things in, in life a lot easier on the back end. And then, like I've mentioned a couple of times, find local champions. When it's a school, I promise that there's a group leader that is trying to fundraise to send her kids to nationals or his kids to nationals, or they're looking to, to get this for their school. And, and they'll if, if this will help them with fundraising or something like that, um, they'll work really hard to make it a great event and help develop pride in their students because they care about our community just as much as we do. And so I think those two pieces of advice are probably, uh, the, that's where I would start. I think that's a great note to end on. I'll remember I wrote it down when you said earlier, um, the best time for creativity is when you've got a, a, a clear idea of the uh, of what you're trying to achieve. So I, uh, I like that a lot. I think that's good advice all the way around. Garrett, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity and, and hopefully this, this helps somebody somewhere um, help build strong relationships with their members. Absolutely. He is Garrett Hilton, communications and marketing analyst at Wells Rural Electric. I am Andy Johns, your host with Pioneer. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. Story Connect is produced by Pioneer Utility Resources, a communications cooperative that is built to share your story. Story Connect is engineered by Lucas Smith of Lucky Sound Studio. 